The Daily 202's Big Idea is sponsored by Zeal. If you want a good massage but don't have the time to get one, have the massage come to you with Zeal. You pick the time and the location. Have your next massage on demand at home. Our listeners can get $20 off their first massage with promo code BIGIDEA. Good morning. I'm James Hellman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Wednesday, May 16th. In today's news... North Korea is threatening to cancel next month's summit. A White House official says he received an email during the 2016 campaign that said Russia possessed damaging information on Hillary Clinton. And the government has identified a suspect in one of the most damaging leaks in CIA history. But they don't have enough evidence to bring charges. First, though, the big idea. The far left is winning the Democratic Civil War. Tuesday was a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day for Democratic moderates across primaries in four states. In Nebraska, a liberal social worker and political neophyte who built her campaign around Medicare for All scored a shocking upset in a Democratic primary to take on Congressman Don Bacon, a Republican in November. Kara Eastman, beat former Congressman Brad Ashford in an Omaha-area district that National Democrats have thought they could pick up in November. She advocated for universal background checks to buy guns, raising taxes, and decriminalizing marijuana. In one ad, she said, quote, I'm tired of hearing Democrats don't have a backbone, that we don't stand for anything. That changes now. Ashford had the full-throated support of the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee, which must now reevaluate whether to still invest in the race. In Pennsylvania's Lehigh Valley, where GOP Representative Charlie Dent's retirement has created a winnable open seat for Democrats, the early frontrunner, John Morganelli, a district attorney who has been locally prominent for decades, lost the primary to attorney Susan Wilde, who ran at him from the left. Morganelli, who opposes abortion rights in sanctuary cities, was attacked relentlessly in the closing days for speaking positively about President Trump and tweeting last year that he was open to taking a job in the administration. Across the state in the Philadelphia suburbs, centrist Rachel Reddick, a 33-year-old Navy veteran endorsed by Emily's List, lost the Democratic primary to take on Congressman Brian Fitzpatrick after so-called proud progressive Scott Wallace ran ads ripping her for being a registered Republican until 2016. Wallace is the grandson of Henry Wallace. He was Franklin Roosevelt's vice president for one term, and then FDR dumped him in 1944 for Harry Truman, who was more of a moderate. Four years later, Wallace ran against Harry Truman from the left, advocating better relations with the Soviets, an end to segregation, and universal health care. Scott Wallace, who won the primary in Pennsylvania yesterday, bears more than a passing resemblance to his grandfather. Meanwhile, John Fetterman, a small-town mayor with a grisly beard and tattoos on both of his arms, toppled Pennsylvania's incumbent lieutenant governor, Mike Stack, thanks in part to a strong endorsement from Bernie Sanders, Bernie stumped across Pennsylvania for Fetterman on Friday and Saturday. Fetterman campaigned on universal health care and legalizing marijuana. Last but certainly not least, in the Pittsburgh area, two card-carrying members of the Democratic Socialists of America toppled incumbent state representatives in Democratic primaries. They won 65% and 68% of the vote, respectively. The Democratic Socialists of America has seen a growth spurt thanks to Bernie's success in 2016. 
In Pittsburgh, the local chapter, which both of these women are members of, hosts Marxist reading groups and works to reduce police stops by fixing African-American residents' brake lights that are broken. This is all part of a sea change in the Democratic Party across the country, and leaders of the establishment wing are growing nervous that candidates who cannot win in November will keep winning in primaries that are coming up over the next few weeks. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one, North Korea insisted yesterday that it will not be pushed to abandon its nuclear weapons. The regime is casting doubt on whether that summit with President Trump scheduled for June 12th in Singapore will happen. They want the U.S. to cancel military exercises currently taking place in South Korea. The North says those drills are ruining the positive diplomatic vibe. This development fits with Pyongyang's pattern of raising the stakes in these kinds of negotiations by threatening to walk away if they don't get their way. Experts think it's mostly posturing. But analysts also say that Kim Jong-un is getting angry that U.S. officials keep saying they can get him to totally give up his nukes, which the North Koreans insist is not really on the table. Number two, a White House official says he received an email during the 2016 campaign that said Russia possessed damaging information about Hillary Clinton before WikiLeaks started publishing the hacked emails. But no one can find the message. The official, John Mashburn, testified before the Senate Judiciary Committee in a closed-door March interview that he remembers the email coming from former Trump campaign foreign policy aide George Papadopoulos. But in the two months since his explosive testimony, no one has been able to find the message. Such an email would be a smoking gun. Now, investigators will have to decide what to do with a witness who appears to be telling the truth and remembers a volatile detail that cannot be corroborated with electronic communications. Republicans on the committee are trying to wrap up the investigation as quickly as possible to avoid rocking the boat with the president. Meanwhile, the Justice Department and the FBI are investigating the now defunct data firm Cambridge Analytica, which received about $5 million from Trump's campaign in 2016. The investigation in the U.S. is in its early stages and appears to be focused on the company's financial dealings. Number three. U.S. officials have identified a suspect in last year's major leak of CIA hacking tools that compromised critical cyber weapons and spying techniques. But prosecutors aren't able to bring charges against the suspect because a search of his apartment last year did not yield sufficient evidence to indict him. The guy is a former CIA employee who worked for a group at the agency that designs computer code to spy on foreign governments. He is believed to have provided the agency's information to the group WikiLeaks, which published the code under the label Vault 7 in March 2017. The leak is one of the most significant in CIA history because it revealed America's best tricks of the trade and how they're actually used. Current and former officials say the information can now be used against U.S. targets, and some believe these disclosures may wind up causing more damage to intelligence gathering than those by former National Security Agency contractor Ed Snowden. The suspect is currently being held on unrelated charges in a Manhattan jail. In related news, Trump's nominee for CIA director has now locked down enough votes to get confirmed. Gina Haspel had come under scrutiny for her role overseeing a secret CIA black site in Thailand in the years after September 11th. During that time, the CIA subjected one detainee there to waterboarding. Haspel won over moderate Democratic Senator Mark Warner, the vice chair of the Senate Intelligence Committee, by agreeing to write a letter saying that the agency should have never detained terrorism suspects and employed brutal interrogation techniques against them after 9-11. Moderates from red states now will also vote for Haspel, emboldened by Warner, 
including North Dakota's Heidi Heitkamp and Florida's Bill Nelson. But missing from Haspel's letter is any statement about her role in destroying 92 videotapes of the interrogations carried out at the Thailand facility. And that's The Daily 202 for Wednesday, May 16th. Thanks for listening. I'm James Hellman. I'll talk to you tomorrow.